Welcome to episode four of the RiskCast, the official podcast of the Risk Management Monitor blog and of Risk Management Magazine. I'm your host, Bill Coffin, Editorial Director, and with me is my band of usual suspects, Editor-in-Chief Morgan O'Rourke. Hello. And Editor Jared Wade. Hello. Okay. Uh, so we're getting back after the holidays, our first podcast of the new year. Hopefully we're going to go to a bi-weekly production schedule, so we'll be putting out a lot more podcasts. Um so, uh, guys, New Year, uh, do you have any – this is a kind of a, a trite question, but I have to ask you. Do you have any – we talked about you walking uphill in the snow for Christmas time in, in Maine and all that sort of thing. Um, it is cold as hell outside. It, 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 is, it is really, really, really rough. Have you guys been following what's been going on in, in, in Europe at all over, over winter? Morgan? Did you mean they had winter? Well, yeah, no, no, no. They've got winter. But like, apparently, like, all of the U.K. is just locked down under snow, and the Netherlands right. is completely under snow and all that. And they're having, like, major, like, salt – Salt shortages. They can't even clear the roads. Their airports are in just utter havoc. And it just makes me wonder. And their popcorn is very bland. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it, it just it strikes me as odd though that they're that ill prepared for winter. I mean, I don't know if they just, they just don't get a whole lot of snow. I think it's really there. ridiculous that everywhere, not even the not even Europe, but it seems like every year everybody's ill prepared for winter. Like the first snow that comes by, walk into a supermarket and it's like they've never seen snow before. You know, like, oh my God, we're never going to get out of our house. This is the the modern world. At most, you're in your house for a day because you chose to be. Yeah, right. You didn't feel like shoveling that day. We don't get snowed in. I don't understand it. Have I, you guys ever gone to the supermarket the night before a snowstorm? I used to and work see, in and, a supermarket. And, and, and see so, yeah. the chaos that ensues? People do stupid things. Like when I used to, you know, when I was a kid doing this sort of stuff, they will buy things that in bulk quantities that don't make sense. Like, you know, buy like five gallons of milk. Which you no, know, remember, milk has an expiration date. So yeah, sure. when are you going to drink five gallons of milk in any month, summer, winter, or whatever? Or buy like forty thousand rolls of toilet paper. Like the plumbing is never going to exist again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, that was the, the always thing that used to crack us up. Is and I understand you make a run on stuff because you look in your cabinet and you go, you know what? I need some snack food or maybe a dinner. Or yeah. Maybe I need milk, but you don't need all of the milk. Yeah, in no, the whole store. No, people buy so much <laughs> milk, eggs, and bread before a snowstorm. You would think that like. You know, snow snow requires you to make French toast or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're gonna have breakfast a lot. Exactly. We're have a Kobayashi for over for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's gonna come over in his snowshoes and we're just gonna eat like crazy. So I don't know. You know, it's funny for me because like I don't know. I'm I just never really look at the weather like ever. Like unless like I'm specifically doing like an outdoor event or you know going somewhere. Like I might check the weather in the different city. I don't know. I kind of like being surprised by weather, like even in this modern age, I guess. I don't know. It seems like that one last thing where it's just like, I don't really know what the, I want to know what it's going to be like. You know, I like to wake up and. I, I, I used to feel that way until I got like, surprised a couple times walking to and from work. And I'll never forget one time, uh, this is back when the Rims office used to be over on the eastern side of Manhattan near the United Nations. So it was a good 20 minute walk from there to the train station. And this, this snowstorm kind of appeared right in the middle, middle of the day. And I don't think it surprised anybody, but, you know, I, I wasn't following the weather. And I didn't have a hat with me. And I'll never forget just walking home and I was like just getting coated in snow. My head was covered in snow. 
and I walk by these two construction guys, and one looks up at me and goes, hey, snow hat. Yeah, 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 yeah. These guys start, start laughing at me. And I don't know why that bothered me so much, but I'm like, man, you Being guys. Being mocked by construction workers <laughs> yeah, exactly. bothered you. Exactly. All of a sudden, I was transported back to like seventh grade, you know? I'm like, oh, man, you know, oh, they're making man. fun of me. The big kids are making fun. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, snow hat, that's it. Never going to get caught by And, the and then you heard your mom in the background going, you're going to catch your death of cold. You should have worn your hat. Yeah. The hot air escapes from the top of your head. Yeah, but see, because you didn't pay attention to the weather, now you have a little story. Exactly. Ah. Yes. Whereas, otherwise, you would have just been a moderately... I walked through a snowstorm. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the story. See, and I, I don't ever watch the weather, so I get that every day. I wake up, and there's there's a foot of snow, and I grew up that way, because I never cared about the weather, unless like it was like maybe going to be a snow day tomorrow, which was always yeah. great, except for when it didn't happen, but... Um, you know, it's kind of I cool. can't even imagine like, the, so the worst snow days in Maine. I just imagine, like, how much snow must you have gotten in Maine to have a snow day? Well, snow was irrelevant. I mean, you could get as much, you could get, like, 15, 12 inches, and it wouldn't matter. It was if it was, like, sleeting or, like, freezing rain. Freezing or, rain, like, like yeah. sloppy. That's because, yeah. like, we, we were never unprepared for winter. There was, like, you know, snow plows everywhere, yeah. everything had salt and all that stuff. So that was never a problem if it was just puffy, you know, good good skiing snow type stuff. Yeah. Powder, you know? Well, um, just yesterday, a friend of mine who's in Atlanta was talking about how they, how you know they were having snow down there, and I always just I love I love it when southern cities get like a dusting of snow because just all hell breaks loose. I mean, these people just are not prepared for it. And you see, you know, you see like it's like nobody knows how to drive in it, so you see you know news footage of somebody just like doing donuts on like a quarter inch of snow. It's like, dude, just lay off the gas. You'll be, stop. It's you'll okay. be okay. It's all right. You know, it's it's so cute. <laughs> the sky is falling. Yeah, it's like, oh snow. my god, there's snow. We're all gonna die. Well, if you're not prepared, it's, that's what you're gonna get. I remember being in San Diego and they don't have enough. They don't have rain. Yeah. And I was there and it happened to rain. And the newspaper headlines were describing what drizzle was, like the definition of drizzle. It was on the front page. <laughs> like, because I guess people must have thought this was some torrential downpour. So like, no, actually, what we had yesterday was drizzle. <laughs> Like, like, what? It, it rains so seldomly that even <laughs> they, like words from rain have left their local vocabulary. Yeah, they, you know? like, so I can only imagine what happens in the South. It's like it how an snows. Amazonian has no word for snow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and Eskimos have all of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> See? Well, what, what was weird is, is now I was looking on the BBC, BBC's website, yeah. and, and, and I mean, it, there really seems to, seems to be a very serious problem with just lack of you know, salt type stuff just to keep the roads clear. And apparently it's, it's, it's going to be a big issue if because they're calling for – it's not just like they've had a storm – it's been just a, you know a relentless kind of kind of storm season. They're saying that you know it's been really really cold, and they're expecting it for another couple of weeks, and they're probably going to get a bunch more you know storms. And it's one of those things where you can, you, can, you you see interviews with say town managers and whatnot, and they're all trying to pass the buck off to somebody because they know that soon their their streets are going to fill with well, snow, it's what happened, and there will I mean, be no getting around. But it's you, just silly because I don't understand. Like, why don't you just buy like fifty years worth of salt in 1980 and be good? Like. It's not going to go bad, you know. I mean, you can't buy a warehouse or something. Like it, that's a really, really good question. I don't know. I mean, it's not I, milk. You know what I mean? Well, when I was growing up in Pennsylvania, they had these huge warehouses by the road, and they would just fill them with salt, you know. And and I, I think I think it was just a matter of they filled them to capacity, and then that's how much they held, they they hung on to. And I never there was only one winter in my life I remember where there was even a close to a shortage of salt, and that's because the winter was unusually brutal and unusually prolonged. It was one of those, you know, you know, it was like the winter of 1994, right? It just kept it just just kept going on. But, but I mean, even then, it wasn't like they just ran out of salt. It was just, you know, it was like, oh, it's going to get close. Apparently, like, there are towns in Britain that have ordered salt and haven't gotten it yet. 
and and, and, and yeah, it's it's like what you said, Jared. I don't like how could you how could you be sitting there in summertime going, hmm, no salt. <laughs> maybe we should get maybe we should get on the stick. Yeah, but if it's, it's January, like I could yeah. see if this was happening, like it was still snowing in March. Or, yeah, you know, like, or it started like, snowing in October. Yeah, you know? it's like, but perhaps if your budget was cut earlier in the year because of a bad economy, you weren't able to sh- to buy all the supplies. You kept your fingers crossed, hoping there wouldn't be a lot of snow because you don't really have the resources to pay for the removal. Well, that happens a lot. Yeah, in in this area at least. I mean, on Long Island, it does. Where you're just hoping that they, well, you're just hoping that you can't do it because there's no budget. You're already working on a deficit. You just that's, you got to cut some service somewhere. So what do you cut? Well, let's cut the snow <laughs> removal budget the because we'll hope that there won't snow. Yeah, as much. right, right. So I mean, no. I know I know what happens because I've had people who work. I have relatives who work in like the you know drive the plows. Oh, really? Yeah. And when it snows, they work for like 48 hours straight. Except when they don't, when no one wants to pay them overtime, then it's like a skeleton crews, and sometimes they don't get the jobs, or they they're not called in and stuff like that. So I, I mean, that's, I that's why then, like, if, if it isn't a you know ridiculous w- winter, it's still kind of a man-made problem. Yeah, you right. know, no, truly, it's truly, a it's, it's, I'm sure. It's, yeah, it's at some a, point, somebody should have like just like nowhere to put the snow, no. and we're just under 18 feet. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, you just don't have the proper resources to deal with it, which you know what the proper resources were. You just chose you not just, to do them. Yeah, right. right, it's a critical failure of planning. Yeah. Is really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's true. So, let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. That's what I say. Couldn't said it better myself. So did you guys hear about this uh, plane bomber? Of course we did. Uh, apparently, apparently <laughs> that happened over Christmas, which is weird because I didn't. I I was off for two weeks and I didn't read a newspaper for two weeks, which is kind of a, you know for somebody in media you think that's a little that's a little I did irrespo- the same thing. It's a little irresponsible, but it was a break, and then people were talking about like, oh, did you hear about that bomber over like some New Year's party or Christmas party? I forget which, and I was like blissfully unaware that something important had happened. Yeah, evidently it did though. Yeah, no, I mean, I only just found out the story, like, last week, like, really, like, in-depth of what actually happened, and it was all, like, you know, the... That's right, we're, 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 we're your media source there, folks. We're Definitely. just finding out about these things. It's all right. <laughs> but, I mean, essentially, you know, it's the guy from Nigeria came through Amsterdam, and he, in most people's estimation, should have been caught on multiple watch lists. He, um, his father in Nigeria had approached the U.S. Embassy or the CIA agents there and spoken with them, talking about how he had become... Increasingly distant, increasingly radical. Um, he had actually been kicked out, or he had gotten his British visa revoked because he had gone to a dubious school that wasn't really like a school and applied. That's how he got in his British visa in the first place. And, um, you know, Obama actually came out today saying, yeah, there were giant uh, errors, failures about the uh, the process. And he should have been, I mean, he bought his ticket in cash and all that other stuff that I'm sure everyone's aware of at this point. But um, what I guess the more meaningful thing, you know, luckily nothing happened on the flight, but um, what's going to happen to airport security and airline security going forward? You know, it's this huge thing with international airports trying to converge and have some sort of a, a general policy to, to get on the same page about everything, let alone all the things in the United States, and there's privacy concerns about the screening and all that yeah. stuff, so it's going to be crazy for the next couple of months, I feel like. Now, like Morgan, I have been living under a self-imposed media blackout over the holidays, which I can't stress enough is probably one of the things that keeps me sane during the course of the year. Around Christmas time, around summertime, I take time off. I just don't follow the news, and it's 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 wonderful. Yeah, dude, and I feel like it's weird too because like I didn't know what happened with Tiger Woods. 
talk because that <laughs> yeah. was like either Thanksgiving Day or the day after yeah, right. Christmas with this, and then like on New Year's was like I don't know in the sports world like Gilbert Arenas got like found with a gun in the locker room or oh, whatever. Right, right, so that yeah. was like a big thing in the ESPN Well, invariably every time I go into a media blackout, something big happens because when I did the summer, Michael Jackson died, right? Which right. is you know, I mean, not like it's it's. I mean, well, it's the world. I, I mean, the world took interest, but it's not like you know, the world broke out in France. It's you know, it's not the same thing. Right. Uh, but anyway. Um, so yeah, so I so I just kind of heard bits and pieces about the story. I haven't really done a full reading of it, to be honest with you. And I think part of it is because I just sort of shudder at the thought of what's going to come out of this whole thing because it's the second time. Now this was a, this guy was going to try to do was this like a shoe bombing attempt? No, Did he have the explosive hidden in his it was in the it, underwear. In underwear? Underwear. This is the underwear bomber. No, I I heard. Now, I don't know if there's much to this because this is I heard this maybe a day or so after the story broke that one of the security protocols that was being talked about would be preventing people. From going to the lavatory like up to an hour before before landing. Now I don't know if this is actually if this is right, just yeah, or not, but you know I have to have to wonder. I mean, how much more can you do to inconvenience people who are flying for the sake of protecting an airplane? You know, and 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 the, and you know what knocks me out is, <clears throat> and this is where I'm, I'm undoubtedly gonna you know make some people unhappy in the airline industry, but. All right, you've got the you've got the physical value of any given plane, okay, and much more so is really the liability value of its passengers. I remember when I did some research on this, gosh, ten years ago, the average liability value of a of a U.S. air fatality was um, in the you know, neighborhood of like two million, three million dollars. Okay, so you lose a whole flight of plane, you, you, you lose a whole flight of passengers. The liability, you know, thing, thing can be massive. So I mean, obviously you've got a big you got a big problem there to deal with, but in the grand scheme of things, though, how much is the security really going to? I, I, I mean, is anybody is, like what's the cost benefit analysis of all the security as far as like is it really providing an extra layer of protection, or is it just creating a security <clears throat> apparatus that sort of feeds itself and manages to tick off legions of passengers such as myself? Well, the whole thing, and I think the general thought on most of this stuff is there's no way to be a hundred percent catch everything everywhere all the time across the globe. That's just common sense. Um, but what everyone seems to think is like everyone, we're always fighting the last war. Sure. Like we take off our shoes now because of the shoe bomber. Um, we put but, our, we, we can't bring liquids on because they had liquid explosives before that. Right. And I mean, if you look that at that. That one ticks me off. Yeah. I'm personally mad at Al-Qaeda for that one. Right. <laughs> I've, I've actually thrown out like, you know, big balls of contact solution and like back when I had hair, like I had big things of gel. Like I remember <laughs> yeah. one time I got there late and I just I didn't have time to repack it. Yeah, so sure. I just threw out like $50 worth of stuff and I was just like, this is I just awesome. want to bring my own drinks to the airport and not have to buy what's at the local thing at the $5 bottles of water? Yeah, you exactly. Buy, you don't like buying those? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like buying them. I just want to bring my own. Yeah, right. But I guess so. The whole thing is that killing 280 people on a plane is not the worst thing a terrorist can do. You know, they they can yeah. find nuclear weapons. They could do biological attacks. But I guess the biggest fear is that because of the 9/11 thing, it would be hijacking a plane and using it as a weapon. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. So, so, you're so, so, so it's not Sarah's the plane. You're not fearing the... about a landing in Giant Stadium during a Giants game and killing you know I'd, tens of thousands of people. Yeah, you know, I'd failed it. I had failed to look at it from that point of view. I had forgotten about the whole notion of using, yeah, this like, also using the plane as a weapon right. and creating another sixty hundred billion dollar and killing tens of thousands of people. You know, yeah. But from a terrorist standpoint, I mean, it's it sort of relates to the now trite can't let the terrorists win type of thing. But if even a failed attack puts the whole system in disarray. So I would think if you're a terrorist organization, whether you blow up 
the plane and kill a bunch of uh, of your supposed enemy, or whether you don't, you're going to ruin that whole. Like we're going to deal with security measures now that are going to be like back from yeah. like 2002, 2001. I don't know if anybody flew then, but it was it was a pretty long drawn out process. It I can was. only see that it's going to get closer to that, which is just all right. Well, we didn't kill anybody, but we sure as hell have added more expense. You know, you're now spending money you didn't have to spend. Yeah. You're People are miserable. Even at the very least, it's like a consolation prize. I'm not saying it's the same one, but hey, it's not it's not all loss because at least we now they're spending a billion dollars on security where they would have been spending it on the war effort. Yeah, sure, I yeah. hear you. But if your if your plan is to rid the world of infidels, that doesn't really. I like, understand that, but I'm just saying it's inconvenience a, in your life. It's I, a I, consolation yeah. prize, is all I'm saying. It's not the worst thing in the world. There's a no lose. Like, oh, we gotta get caught. Oh well, whatever. We'll send another one. I mean, did you – like right after that, like a week after in the Newark airport, there was a guy that went in the exit after the security check. Yeah. Like to wish goodbye to his girlfriend, I think it turned out to be. And they stopped the airport, all flights out of Newark for like three or four hours while they tried to sort out the fact that some cab drivers saw the guy go in the exit door. Yeah. And then they looked around on the film and they saw him leave a different door. But just because somebody broke that security line, yeah. which obviously you're going to – you know, you want to check this sort of stuff – put everything on hold. I hear it closed down an entire terminal. And, and, yeah. if you, and if you've not been in Newark, I mean, Newark is a it's, really, really busy it's airport. It's one of the major airports in the New York City area. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's easily on par with JFK or LaGuardia. I mean, there's a ton of people. So I'm just there. saying, and that was just yeah. simply just somebody who, you know, yeah. completely innocuous sort what? of like uh, go in the wrong door type of guy, you know, like, I mean, obviously you can't do that. Well, security's security. also always been very touchy in Newark ever since 9-11 because one of the 9-11 planes left from Newark. And so I always got right. the feeling that, you know, people who work the security apparatus there always have in mind, geez, you know, we actually, you know, we, you know part of 9-11 happened on our watch, specifically at that airport. So I would imagine if you're the head of security, you have that in mind. You don't want the, you know, you don't want the next 9-11 to happen under, under your watch. But um, No, it's crazy. This is completely aside. Um, you know the guy who created uh, Family Guy? Seth MacFarlane? Yeah, yeah, He was supposed to be on the flight. The first plane, I think, that hit the towers. Really? But he just l- overslept and missed his flight. Really? Yeah, yeah, if you're, really? If you're, uh, no. no. That's awfully strange. Now, was, was Family Guy running at the time? I think it was. I think it was, like, on its first run, because remember it got canceled, and then it got picked back up after huge uh, yeah, yeah, sales. Yeah. I think so. I think, yeah, I think it was late 90s. You early. know, what, what makes all the what, – what I love about that story is that isn't it Family Guy that has that, that bit where it's – it's there's a, there's a bit where Osama bin Laden is trying to do a tape, and it's like a it's like a Osama bin Laden blooper reel where he keeps screwing up. He's trying to record a, 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 a tape message, and he keeps getting it wrong, and he's doing all those things like movie stars do where they're doing blooper reels, and they're laughing, and they're trying to get the laughs out, you know, and then, of course, you know, Stewie shows up and beats them all yeah. up. But, but it's just <laughs> – it's funny the guy's making Osama bin Laden jokes, and he, he could very well have been one of his one of his victims. It's yeah. kind of a, I don't know, kind of a strange thing. So, so but, I mean, at this point, it seems like it would be pretty hard for someone to retake over a plane, kill the pilots, and actually hijack and use it as a weapon. I mean, right. I think the new, new, new door policies have been there. I mean, I guess there's still the debate about you know having weapons on the plane or not. Sometimes. I'm pretty sure that at this point, too, most most uh, most uh, uh, airline. Uh, Passengers? Passengers, thank you. There Most you groups of passengers probably would not sit as idly by these days. Well, knowing, that's, that's what I mean, I know it's that happened in that movie, here. the 90. Oh, that's what happened here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, he was, my understanding is he was pretty, pretty quickly overpowered by passengers. And, he was. And, right. and, and, and that's that's one of the things I find very interesting is how, you know, despite the success of, of the earlier 9-11 attacks, yeah, I, I mean, prior to that, I don't think you could really fault people for having stayed in their seats kind of shocked because they weren't. there's no, con, there's no mental context for the right. event. 
but with 9-11 in your, mem- in your living memory, you see something like that happen, people are definitely going to make it take actions because you know what the alternative is, and then you, right. have no- you have nothing to lose. So passengers have kind of been put against the wall in terms of actual tactical responding um, yeah. to an event on, on, on a plane. And it, st- it strikes me as the sort of thing that actually, perhaps that, <laughs> perhaps that more than the all the going through um, hoops and going through scanners and going past dogs and that sort of thing, I would imagine would be a greater deterrent to planning a terror attack that involves a plane just because how are you going to manage 200 people on a plane of whom you can probably expect 20 to be to be ready, willing, and able to take immediate action to thwart any kind of terrorist plot, especially when you have reinforced doors now in the t- cockpits. I mean, it seems like the like you can't get access to anybody in, in that plane, right? I mean, I mean, with I mean any authority, even, very even if it's like a nuns and Girl Scouts convention trip, you know, like <laughs> you're still not getting through on 200 people, a cabin door, and all that enough to use the plane probably to as a weapon. And if you, there happens to be an air marshal, well, forget it, you're completely shot. You now just conjure this image of a bunch of nuns and Girl Scouts getting up and just laying just. Just laying the beat down on on four associated that, terrorists. That'd be pretty vicious. That, that in itself might stop the terrorist threat. I, 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 I imagine the nun from uh, from airplane jive talking the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> the old lady from the old lady. From... <laughs> well, society needs to police itself, and that then then when it comes to that point, I think the answer is society it does needs more nuns and Girl Scouts on planes. Frankly, I mean, <laughs> so I mess with them. you still need to do. Just protect the people. I mean, it is 280 in a whole grand scheme of all the flights every day. You know, it would it's always tra- always tragic when a plane crashes, regardless of whether it's terrorism or not. And if and just to keep people flying and keep the economic interest up and to not have you know the post 9/11 era where no one flew and the oh, airline industry terrible. was falling apart. Yeah, um, you do need to have protection there and everything, obviously. Um, so I guess the next thing people are trying to do is these new kind of scanners. The, is- there's like the mini. The millimeter wave scanner, the backscatter X-ray, and they have like different levels of what they can see. You know, now they can just see essentially big blocks of things. Yeah, right. You know, metal and whatnot, and they can protect. But they can see. They can see pretty much eliminate your clothes if they want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. You, you, you look pretty much naked. naked. Yeah. And there's actually one of the senators. <laughs> I'm uh, so gonna work out before I go to. The- <laughs> you really need to. I mean, honestly, they can. I've seen uncensored images. You pretty really? much are looking at gray naked people. Yeah. If they wow. can go to that sort of level. One of the senators, like with everything obviously intact, like a porn movie or like a Barbie doll, That's, not even like a Barbie doll, like a, you know, yeah. Am- Amtrak <laughs> needs to get on the stick and market against this as soon as possible. Like, well, like you said, you might, yeah, you everybody might Amtrak, want to do a few sit-ups before can, they get on a plane just you can in case. Keep your clothes on, you know? <laughs> yeah, you can, well, it doesn't even matter because it's just a, it's just an X-ray machine. It just yeah, doesn't right. do like that, like the, you know, doesn't but see still, your bones some of the guys who work like security at airports strike me as a little sketchy. I mean, I just, I mean, and I'm sure that after you've seen, you know, three thousand naked gray people go past your scanner in a day, you know, the, <laughs> you, you, well, yeah, you, you become getting, like the doctor. I'm not really worried yeah, about right, people looking just, at you know, right, I don't really care. I mean. I don't know you. You don't know me. It's not like we're all of a sudden going to have a date because but, you saw see, me naked. But see, now, now this new scanning technology, though, what is uh, is this? Is this just to catch any kind of uh, inorganic object on your person, or is it actually looking for a particular kind of thing, like explosive compounds or items of metal over a certain mass, or you know that sort of thing? Well, there are two kind of major ones. One of them, the TSA, uh, has forty of them already, and they're in nineteen airports across the United States, and they're the ones that show pretty naked people. So that you could be able to see, like, a belt attached to it. And um, Time Magazine had, like, a little graphic, and they were saying that this one probably would have been able to just be, by seeing the mass on someone's oh, It's clear they're, they're smoking underside, something. They would have been able to see the size bomb that this guy had in his shorts. 
<laughs> that sounds so inappropriate. Take that out of context. Yeah, take that out of context. That's just, that's, that comment's going to get oh, you fired. There's so many different ways to go with that, and they're all wrong. They're all so wrong. We won't do it for this podcast. <laughs> Moving on. The, other, the next one is like the backscatter X-ray. This one actually can detect organic matters, so it would have immediately. It, it shows you pretty naked as well, but it also shows that detects things like whatever. I can't remember the exact um, the bomb. Like, like matter, like, like uh, trace chemical compounds. You mean exactly? Yeah, it's just like explosives and even like cocaine or drugs that we'll be able to see. So okay. it's also that element that would help. Yeah, um, but I mean there are privacy concerns. Obviously, one of the senators in the U.S. said, "You don't need to see my daughter and wife naked to protect this airplane." Like you know, like, yeah, right. But then again, you know what? I, that's great. Whatever. But I, we also don't need the airplane to blow up because you have a little bit of a puritanical like, "Ooh, how dare you see my naughty parts?" Well, yeah. I don't really care. Just. How about we protect people? Yeah, well, I mean... Because if the difference between blowing up 300 people and not is because somebody was a little squeamish that you might see them naked, yeah. sort of naked in a gray, yeah. cartoonish-looking, pixelated way, shut up. Yeah. You know what? There's bigger concerns than your than your modesty. My concern over this, though, isn't necessarily the modesty. And, and, and I think you raise a really good point, Morgan, which is you know the matter of – it's a matter of you know modesty or safety. Uh, you know, the world safety. we live in now, I think safety has got to win out. What what concerns me though is just a matter of cost because I remember after nine eleven there was there you know there was a huge push to buy a lot more um, X ray devices and that sort of thing and there's I mean there's a huge amount of money spent to upgrade security at airports but what always boggled my mind was the fact that you know a good bomb sniffing dog costs about a hundred thousand dollars to train and it's got the additional deterrent the fact that honestly bad guys are scared to see dogs because they think they're going to get they're going to get turned on them and bomb sniffing dogs are actually more accurate than bomb sniffing machines at least they were back in 2001 i don't know if the technology is going any further but you know, you know I, I always wonder is is this technology really what is required to to address the problem most efficiently, or are there lower tech, lower cost things that could do that? They could create a, a equivalent level of safety, but they just aren't as as. But it doesn't really because think about. It. I mean, it's a science fiction movie thing. I forget what movie it was. It's Total Recall, right? Right. That's what it was. With people walking by and just being completely X-rayed. They're, they're, down they're, to these day glow skeletons walking. <laughs> I don't see how that. I mean, a dog is that's fine, but you know. A, Dog is not a human, so we we got to judge its reactions and hope that we figured out that that dog's barking because this is true. not I'm because it's hungry, but because well, no, maybe it's not pretty well. I mean, if I it's cocaine, they, but I think if you yeah. have a screen of people Tell walking by, it's well. going to be pretty hard for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you got if you're X-raying everybody down to their skin or whatever, and you're able to see that there is nothing on this person, yeah. that's as safe as you're going to be able to make it. Aside from you know literally strip searching every single passenger. <laughs> And then, I mean, the the next threat will be somebody swallowing yeah. something, and we'll have to find a way to, you know, good grief, internally yeah. test people. I hate the fact that I just found another. <laughs> no no eating there, twelve hours before a flight. It's like going to the doctor's. It's not one hundred percent safety, and I, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. like I think Jared's pointed out this the, the way the there. I mean, the line, how safe do you want to be, yeah. is really the question. Well, well, Obama did today actually. He he, what his directive was that he sped up the installation of a one billion dollars in advanced technology equipment. I think it was stuff that was you know. Already budgeted for, yeah, perhaps and, earmarked. Yeah, for the, yeah, for yeah, maybe I don't know whether it was the next couple of years, the next year, or whatever. But now he has said, "We're doing yeah. this tomorrow." Yeah, so we're so getting this going. This is one thing I've always wondered about: Do airlines have to help defray the security costs of airports? Couldn't I? I mean, I mean, you would imagine that they would have to somehow share the cost because I think it's like a mall. I think you rent a space. You rent a space, okay. essentially, right? And, like and, if you and, want to be so, at this airport in your Delta, you pay JFK, which is owned by. The city and lots of other okay. people as well. 
you know, and then so then they must be sharing a security cost. I imagine. I, I, I mean, they have to be because they're there to help defray their own liability. I would so. imagine. It, yeah, I would imagine your rent gets raised. You know, the airport yeah, right. bases the rent upon whatever. Hmm, interesting. No, I, I, I have to wonder. You know, at what point might we see airlines institute their own levels of security that that, are, that go beyond the airport? You know, because like, like a value-added thing, like buy a ticket yeah. on buy a ticket on blank airlines, and well, we'll I remember one protect time I was you in, I was, even better than normal. Yeah, well, I remember I was in JFK one time, and I remember seeing that there was a a flight of passengers on LL going to going to Israel, and there was a whole separate security area just for them. Now, I don't know if that was because you know the airport instituted it, or if LL. Um, Put their own measures in place. Put their own measures in place. I got the feeling the airline may have put their own measures in place, but it got me thinking: what's to stop an airline from from putting their own measures in place if they feel an airport security system is not adequate? I mean, if you have, say, one more embarrassing situation in Newark, you know, happen, if and if you're Continental, what's to stop Continental from deciding, you know, well, you what know it, might, it might be worth it for us to put something extra in place to help. Uh, protect the passenger. One more. It's it's a hard walk. sell though because everybody wants things that will happen faster. I mean, no. most of the airport innovations have been now you don't have to go. You can go to all these kiosks and and you know do your ticket electronically. Yeah, right. You can get a boarding pass online before you even get to the airport. So everything tr- the trends have always been to make things faster, quicker, and yeah. easier for the flight for the passengers. So I would imagine adding any other s- level of security is just going to slow things down and. It would be a, you'd have to sell that to your customers yes. that this is a better thing than you you know this is better for you. Yeah, well, it seems to me like the the people that the more the more you are the less you fly the more worried you are about security. Right. Yeah. Because you're like I'm flying once this year you know and I go on my once a year vacation and I'm really worried because I've heard about these plane things. I mean statistically yeah. it's you know way less chance that you'll get even in a plane crash or anything than a car accident or anything and here's all yeah. those stats and obviously a terrorism plane related plane crash has happened once in the last decade so. Yeah. Do the math. You know, there's been a lot of flights. Yeah, They're probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, there has. And then the people who are flying, you know, every day for business travel, they just want what Morgan is talking about. They just want it to be quick. They realize they're probably not going to die today. You know, well, that's they, also you they can tell. That's what, times this year. Well, that's why they've always, they've had they it's, it was last year, the year before, with like certain airlines had like express like for like you almost had to gauge how um, experienced you were as a passenger. Yeah, right. So, like, if you hadn't been on a lot of flights, you go to this line. If you know what you're doing, go here. You go to the, like, the, the express the, line, yeah, the which express is all the guys with briefcases and their shoes in their hand. Yeah, pretty you much. Know, and nobody's like, you mean I have to take my shoes off? This is BS. <laughs> which always, which is the other thing that you cracks see that me up. At every you get a lot of people always... resisting as if you're personally being singled out. No, this is what you do in airports. Stop holding up the friggin' line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. No, it's funny, actually. Reference movie again, but like Up in the Air with George Clooney. Yeah. He actually goes like, you always go behind Asian people. They got slip-on shoes. They're really quick. They're light <laughs> travelers. She's like, that's terrible. She's flying with someone he normally doesn't fly. And he's, she's like, that's terrible. He's like, I'm like my mom. I stereotype. It's quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, though. I steadfastly refuse to wear laced shoes to the airports because I want to have something I can get my feet in and out of quickly. And if, it, if, it's, if it's at all warm, I wear flip-flops. Otherwise, I wear, I wear loafers. And that's just that because it's, it, cause it's like I got a lap. Top, I got an iPod. I got my shoes. I got. I basically got to like fillet my entire online bag, you know, and put it in like sixteen different you know, bins, and just reassembling all that stuff. It's like having to lace up my shoes is one less thing I'd rather deal with. So. Yeah, I try not to wear a belt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Wearing, far, but as far as I'm concerned, but that's the, I mean, we we that's a trade off. We're willing to you know we're willing to do that for safety. If you have got half a brain, you know that you do it. There will always be. I'm sure there'll be a level to which though it gets to be too much. But you know, you, you know, know, you know, it's you weird, have to have though. short hair only because you can't hide something. You might be able to hide something in your hair. You need to pull it all up and shave it or something like that. I don't know. But you know, if some if some whack job 
gets on board a you know long long range bus and just starts waving around a you know an envelope full of talcum powder and scares everybody. You know full well that you know some bus company is probably not going to put into effect the same amount of security measures that the airlines are going to put in, right? I mean, I mean, just this the, the level of perceived risk there isn't nearly as high. So it's it's just it's it's just annoying that that. This well, one perhaps motive. it's because where f- bus travel is, is is just feels different than plane travel. Plane well, travel feels more risky in general because you're doing something that you can't do. You're flying in the air. Yeah. I guess theoretically, yeah, you it's, can, only you can, you, it's only because you don't do it much. Yeah. True. All right. Yeah. If I guess if you flew right, if you flew every day and you treated the plane like a bus, yeah. you would probably have a different perspective. I also suspect that people can imagine themselves driving a bus, right? They can't imagine themselves actually flying a plane. Well, so if you drive a car, you think yeah. you can drive a bus, or at least yeah, yeah right. You know, get exactly, close you know, to doing and, it. And, and driving a train, how hard is that? Just there's a stop and slow <laughs> right. down. There's there's a go. Well, the brake pedal's you know? in the same place, so you can figure yeah. that out with a bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I I'm all for having having more security. And if the if X-rays make it simple to have security, so think about this: is if you put technology in that makes it quickly it makes people uh, airport security personnel <clears throat> quickly able to judge whether or not you have you know you're a threat. It you know. actually ends up speeding up the process because if we're all going through an X-ray machine, how you know total recall style, yeah. it's just a walk through a machine and a quick up. Oh, you're not good as opposed to 55 different steps. That would certainly make it all worthwhile. Where you have to check my luggage and then you have to check yeah. me and then you have to check my shoes and then you might have to wand oh, me yeah. on if you sometimes. Go, if you walk through security with just all your stuff already packed and there's just one pass well, well, through the scanner, put the, that'd put be, the, that'd be put ideal. the stuff through one belt and put the stuff you know yeah, other sure. and actually have enough people who can judge I get everything. Behind that you know. Maybe that works. Well, that makes it all go down a lot better if, 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 if I think of it in terms of what I'm really doing is I'm doing all the beta testing for that one se- miraculous all-in-one security procedure one day that will make it all seamless again. Right. Just Everything's automated, and you just walk through, and if you had a gun, well, you're not in that line anymore, and we don't talk about what happened <laughs> yeah. to Johnny. But then you know, like different countries when come international flights like Europe and Canada are not going to be nearly as on board. They have way more privacy concerns about this stuff than a lot of people yeah. even in the U.S. do, and – Granted, the U.S. does have yeah. a decent amount of the naked, naughty bits, as you said earlier, too. But, you know, I, th- I think it's, like, medical reasons and some of it, too. You know, like, people sure. don't want to know, like, if you have, like, a, you know, a amputee leg and half a, yeah. half a leg missing. Or if That's you have, like, a colostomy point. bag or something like that. That should be your private stuff. And there's no reason that a government official should know yeah. that just for you to get on a plane. But I then think, again, the but then again if you keep it else. anonymous to the point that, say, you have it so that these people are walking through and there's a... A, monitor, a person monitoring it, but not like physically standing there, like in a different room. You're just a parade of images, right? You know, it's not. They're not. That's what they're saying. It's going to be a different. You room. have to connect them. You can't connect now them to the person. Through, you know, overall. You can't be like, "Ooh, look at that guy," and then you know, or look at that girl, and be able to look at the person in real. Because then, yeah. yeah, you connect. Even if it's a disability, you connect that with the person, and I can understand the violation of privacy. But if you're anonymous, yeah, right. It's you know, just blur out the faces or something. I don't know. So. There's ways to do it. I, I'm all for making things. Technology seems to – it adds a lot of problems, but it does make things easier in the long yeah. run. So let's go for it. Well, we've got to wrap up the section. But before we do, I, you know, the, the one last point I wanted to bring up is uh, you know, one, one thing I, I haven't looked into yet, Jared, and, and I'd love to find out is, is you know, I know that the, um, the commercial airline insurance market is, is a very specialized one. And it's, it's one that, you know, I know the, that, that anybody who, who buys insurance in that market – Getting a good price is always very, very difficult because it's a very tough market to negotiate with. I'd love to see what kind of distortions uh, in price something like this has had on the market. You know, you know, if you had a, you know, what te- well, I guess what amounts to a near miss terrorist event. Um, I mean, that could have been, that could have been a massive liability loss. And so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how the airlines are having to now, you know, if they're having any kind of shockwave effect from insurance. I mean. I would imagine, you know, as renewal season comes around for a lot of these people, it might be something that, that they're going to have to feel some pain on. 
Um, and if that's the case, that's something that further erodes the bottom line of the operation. So, well, I feel like whatever liabilities in the system and failures in the system this identified, it was more of a public identification of them rather than the people who are that in tune with the with the stuff um, wouldn't have already known about. Yeah, like I mean, I guess there's a lot of like watch lists. Like this guy, the reason he actually he had a U.S. visa still. He was it was, it was when he tried to renew it. He was on, there's like four levels of watch list, I guess, in the U.S. He was on watch list one, which doesn't prohibit you from flying. It doesn't revoke your visa. Um, had he been on watch list two, he may have been on a no-fly list. Okay. Um, but turns out from an internal report from, I think, the State Department or the CIA that one of the reasons his visa hadn't been revoked or hadn't even really been looked into is because his name was actually spelled wrong in one of the databases. <laughs> People always spell check. Come on. Well, but in general, <laughs> and then, then I'm just wondering, you know, a lot of these Arabic words and Arabic names that tend to be the ones we're talking about on these watch lists, they seem to have a lot of different spellings. Yeah, I mean, sure. I can't just over the last 10 years how many different ways Al-Qaeda has been spelled in or pronounced. Muammar Gaddafi was the same way. There are like four different commonly held spellings of it, you know. But so it seems like that's probably a pretty big issue throughout. Well, this always this gets one guy to the... happened to be one of those hundreds of people. I don't when you're talking about terrorism prevention, you've got what they call signal intelligence, which is, you know, the, NA, the NSA guys listening to airwaves and that sort of thing and tapping phones and all that. And there's human intelligence, which is basically agents doing secret agent type stuff. And human intelligence is, is, is a field operative who has the wherewithal when a Nigerian man walks into your business or your office and goes, look, I have concern about my son. I think he's radicalized. He's going to do something. Knowing how to take that seriously and how to get that information through the system so there's something meaningful comes out of it and doesn't get derailed by something as mundane as a typographical error. you know. And that's where the capability really needs to be stepped up. And, and, and fortunately, that's one of those things where – you know, if you're a risk manager, this could be a real major source of concern because this is the first line where the problem could have been stopped, right? And it wasn't stopped. And now, granted, the guy still managed to get explosives. He managed to put them on his body. He managed to get them through an airport and get onto a plane. Okay, so there are there are multiple failures of security here. But you know, God forbid, if this event somehow impacts say, the price of of of, of li- liability insurance for a commercial carrier, okay. It all started with the CIA's inability to recognize a terrorist right, when they problem, saw one. The problem, as you know? Jared saying, it's a problem with the – it's highlighting a problem with the system in general, but there's a fallout that you're pointing out then. Right. I, I, I mean, there's a, there could be a direct commercial fallout. Aside from the – obviously the human tragedy and the political tragedy and, and everything else that goes with something – a successful terrorist event. I mean there – you know, we're, this is a podcast for commercial risk management, and the truth is that there is – there could very likely be a commercial fallout from this event even though nobody was actually hurt. And that's tough for a risk manager because you can't how – how are you supposed to manage the CAA's the inability to get its job up. done or the system is screwed up? It, I mean you really kind of dealt a, a, a rough hand, and it's impossible to make anything really great out of that. So, but I guess I'm saying if, if this year the rates go up, I would imagine that this is identifying flaws in the system that are theoretically going to be fixed or at least um, – Well, so did 9-11 though too. True, but – I mean you would think in a post-9-11 world – Something like this would have been a no-brainer, and it would have found this guy, and he would never even have left Nigeria, let alone get on a plane to. Nah, it's been ten years, nine years. Yeah, that is true. Memories are short, aren't they? They certainly are. They what are we talking about? <laughs> but um, bum. There you go. Well, we'll see. It's definitely put it back to the forefront of everyone's mind: security for airlines and just like these international coordinations of watch lists and stuff like that. So there'll be progress over that in the next couple of years, and hopefully that means it'll get better. In 
end of the world news, it seems that we have an asteroid hurtling towards Earth and our demise is imminent or something along those lines. Nice. E- evidently, there's an, a- there's an asteroid some ways away that when they had discovered it in 2004, they thought it might come by Earth in like 2029 and the odds of hitting Earth were 1 in 37. So that's kind of a cause for concern. But then they recalculated a few times, and now they've determined that probably by like 2036, it'll be at its closest. And the odds are like 1 in 250,000. All right. Just the same, though. If your but odds still, of winning the lottery are 1 in 250,000, right. you'd be playing the lottery every it's day. It's still fairly close. Yeah. But not close enough that most, more than likely not really going to happen. And it's, it may come back around and get closer when we're all dead, like in 2060s, <laughs> they say. Right. But... Never fear, regardless of that, if for some reason these calculations are, calculations are off, Russia is going to save the day. Uh, how, and how, and you, how do you say this? Well, the Russian, well, um, the chief of the Russian space agency, of which I don't know its name, um, anyway, he said that what they're going to begin, the Russian space program is going to begin a, uh, to figure out a way that they can knock this asteroid off course, create some sort of... S- spacecraft, apparatus, whatever. They've obviously got a few years if it's 2030-something or other, yeah. 2036. And that's what – so they're going – this is – they've realized that this is – there's a potential for this sort of thing. And so they're going to make sure that they intercept it a la like the movie Armageddon or something along <laughs> right, those lines. Exactly. Because like we, like we said, we can't go through one of these segments without mentioning movies because we're obsessed. Deep Impact I think was similar. Yes. Well, I think they were both kind of just kind of riffing on the same theme there. Was Deep Impact the one with, with uh, Morgan Freeman as the president or is that uh, – or is that um, – Yes. Yes. Yeah, but, oh, okay. Well, 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 there are a couple asteroids are going to destroy the world movies in a short span of time before, after Armageddon. Armageddon was obviously it was never in yeah. doubt they're going to stop the asteroid. But there's Deep Impact. What's the other one? Armageddon. No, no, no. Something. No, no, no. Not Armageddon. There was another because another one where the world was actually going to get hit. No, I don't know. No, regardless. The point is, Morgan Freeman was president. Well, and he has a great. Have the Russians considered calling Morgan Freeman? I believe that their space program should consist around either. Though to either you know, four words, Morgan Freeman, or more aptly, Bruce Willis. <laughs> exactly. I think once you, I think uh, you know, you, you name your craft or whatever it is, Bruce Willis, and it's sure to succeed at that point. <laughs> and I think this is this is good because the Bob you, Barker, the Bob Barker, Bob Barker. <laughs> or I think this is good because normally what you get at we get out of space news from NASA particularly, and then NASA, by the way, they said, yeah, this is great, they should do that, that's really cool. Like they pretty much were like, yeah, we're all about you. Go ahead, pat on the back. Which is weird because what happens lately with NASA, in my opinion, and I'm sure you guys will not agree with this whatsoever, <laughs> is I feel like NASA's Here gotten go. to the point where there's this organization that shows us pretty pictures of space. They send up other craft into orbit to get more pretty pictures of space with better cameras. And that's what we do. Now, the only thing that really affects our lives in space or could really affect life on Earth is an asteroid strike or, you know, in the. Well, there's other things too. I'm sure, like a solar flare or things like that. Yeah. But we tend to seem like NASA doesn't seem like it actually really cares about these sort of things, even though there's some sort of infinitesimal, you know, oh well, it's only one in two hundred fifty thousand. We just talked about airplane security, and the odds are probably about the same. You're going to get blown out of the sky by a terrorist, and we spend billions and billions of dollars to protect against that, you know, that slim chance. And yet we have the potential of getting hit by an asteroid that will wipe out life on Earth and kill all the dinosaurs 47 times. And we're like, nah, you know what looks cool? That galaxy we saw forming way, way, way deep in space. If it comes down to the Russians are going to be the only people that are actually going to save our asses when when the time comes. All right. Well, that's good because somebody needs to. While I respect your opinion and it's really put together a nice pa- in, a, in a nice fashion, allow me. I know to... I almost got you with the terrorism thing there because I could yeah, see you yeah. were like, "Wait a minute, you're right." Yeah, you, you brought me to the brink, but I, <laughs> I, I managed to step away. 
Um, allow me to allow me to retort. By all means, I expect this, and I'm going to. It would appear the- that the cash-strapped Russian government, which can't seem to go three years without having one of its nuclear submarines sink to the bottom of Davy Jones's locker, is perhaps looking to Jerry Bruckheimer to give them reasons to justify the continuing existence of their decrepit space agency, which has not managed to do much of anything except blow up a couple of rockets on the pad and try to figure out how they're going to build a new cosmodrome now that they no longer own Kazakhstan. So, is this really a viable effort right. uh, for them to stop a, a, a global killer asteroid? Let's or are they just trying me, to grab some Let me stop here? you there for a second. Putin saying, you guys have Star Wars? No, we have real Star Wars. <laughs> no, see, we this have is Galaxy happening. Wars. I, it doesn't that? matter that it's Russia to me. Yeah, and first of all, you know they're just going to send Vladimir Putin up there. He's going to bear wrestle the asteroid or something. He's I can just see him like the guy in uh, Dr. Strangelove at the end on a missile. <laughs> that's that's their, their plan. He's going to ride it out there. He's standing there with a big Soviet flag laughing, singing the anthem. Okay, you know? I don't think it's important. He's going to crack in half with his hand, you know. <laughs> Russian judo chop. <laughs> Shirtless like he was on that horse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's not important that it's Russia. It's not important that it would be anybody. It could be it could be any other country. Interestingly enough, however, it's not the US. Even the slightest bit concerned, and we seem to be the ones who have the most presence in space. I mean, as other countries send up satellites and whatnot, but we're we do the most we seem to do the most research in space, right? Uh, Are yes. we going to guess? I, 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 would ima- I, I would imagine. Space research, scientific-based research, yeah. not like let's put another communication satellite so we can have cable uh, in uh, your, no, no, we, we do, compared to other countries, we do basement. quite a lot. Yeah. So why is it that uh, you know our space program doesn't actually have any sort of even vague inkling of let's just at least have something in our back pocket? Again, like Jared said in the first section about why don't we buy a ton of salt for the ca- you know and save it for when we need it and when it snows – well, why don't we have some plan for occasion? Oh, you know, an asteroid's 50, 50 uh, years out. Why don't we stop this thing instead of, oh, you know what? It's two years out. And you know, we, we just found out Bruce Willis doesn't really know how to drill so, so in I guess real life. You're saying you don't think they have anything like I th- that? I would like to have. And uh, you don't think that in 30 years they could come up with one? I'm sure they could. I just don't. I, I'm talking about the only 30 years. Are, I suspect if we, if we knew with certainty that an asteroid had a really serious chance of, of, of hitting this planet and we had 12 months, well, guess what? We're going to have the biggest rocket and the biggest bomb you ever saw built in about 16 right. weeks. That, that may well be <laughs> true. not hard, and it's not like – it's not that hard. It, it, doesn't just, take, it doesn't take 30 years of planning to It do just seems uh, – well, I, would, plus, I would hope you could take all your planning. It's probably more – it's more important than finding out that, well, oh, look, that galaxy was – Here's the big like difference said, between, well, look, lightning, a planet that's, between lightning this and, and, and the snow thing in our first segment, which is this. It's a pretty good chance that you're going to have snow every year. Okay, uh, so it kind of requires, and you have a lot more present for it than you do for having world-crushing asteroids impacting the planet. Ask the dinosaurs we, about that. Well, yeah, <laughs> as a, well, it's a measure. It's an it's it's an event measured in geologic time. We're going to be. Just, I understand, no. but the impact is. You watch an awful lot of Discovery Channel, don't you? The impact is slightly different. If it snows <laughs> really heavy, I get back pain because I had to shovel. If an asteroid smashes into my house, <laughs> I get molecule We pain. don't have anything to talk about anymore. <laughs> exactly. It, it, when you when you ratchet, I, I understand, but still. We we protect them against everything else. I I'm like, sure like they a, could come with a plan. I just would like them to say that they have one just in case, so that Russia doesn't trump them in a in a press release and we sound like we're wasting our money. My and guess, I get all upset about it, even though there's a plan for 50 years ago. <laughs> My guess is that the, NASA is not a defense agency, but I, I would imagine they have some it's your people. Guess. <laughs> yes, if the Pentagon I would imagine have, they have yeah. some people talking to the Pentagon on occasion and saying, "Hey, heads up, 30 years from now." We might have a problem. 
tell us when you want to start when when uh when you need more information. All right, well, look, there are I, two I, points I, I, like I, I that's a good point, and I will I will concede to that point. I did necessarily. There's also the thing you have to keep in mind, that. which is this: the pen, uh, the Air Force has its own space program going on. The Air Force has its own fleet of space vehicles, its own space launch capabilities, and I'm guessing I'm not certain, but I'm guessing Air Force might have more ready access to nuclear weaponry than NASA would. So I would hope so. I, I, yeah, I, I'm just throwing it out there. So I would I would right. imagine so maybe that NASA's if, not if, my problem, if, but maybe if the Air Force is my problem. Yeah, somebody's Fine. in the department of of playing Bruce Willis and going to Morgan Freeman and Astro, an asteroid out of the sky. That the asteroid, I mean the, the asteroid, the Air Force probably has some sort of plan in mind. Now speaking of plans, I mean the Pentagon has a plan to invade Canada. It doesn't mean that the plan means anything. You know, I mean, just having a plan, and, and, and frankly, this is a matter we come across in contingency planning all the time. Companies for any kind of problem, whether it's a black swan event, right, a, a low low probability, high effect in, you know, event. Are you saying but, that's what an asteroid is? Low probability. Well, it's it's well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, 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 it's high it's, probability, it's, high. No, oh, low probability. Morgan seems it's, to think it's a high probability. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I, I, I think it's a low, low probability. probability. Oh, it's over, a, over a long enough timeline, the chance of an asteroid hitting the hitting the planet are 100%. The question is, is it going to do it in a time where it's going to matter anything to humanity? Okay? Right, well, it, monkeys it, on typewriters are also going to recreate Shakespeare on an infinite timeline. Shakespeare. Yeah. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. See, now, now I'm getting petty because you saw, <laughs> you've all mocked my, my fear of asteroids. I only fear a couple things. Asteroid strikes and giant, like, car-sized spiders. That's it. That's the list. So I right, figure so, an right, asteroid so strike I, might create those spiders. All right, so, you, all right, so your risk management fixation is on asteroids. Mine's on zombie infects, <laughs> infestation. What, what's yours, Jared? You must have some irrational fear that you've got some sort of risk management plan for. Or that you think is lacking. Oh, see, LeBron see, James nah. retiring early something. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. See, he's no fun. He, he's no fun. You can no. have my giant spider fear if you want it. I'll give you that. All right. So you can, yeah. He's like, marriage, maybe. Marriage, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, then in that case, you 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 hope that asteroids one event low probability <laughs> high impact. <laughs> you hope an asteroid comes to prevent that from happening. <laughs> anyway, about black swan events, Bill. Well, no, what no, no, just, well, I was going to say is that you know it, it, when you talk about any kind of contingency planning, I mean, an asteroid event is sort of emblematic of the ultimate and the you know not likely to happen, but if it does, it ruins everything. Kind of event, and a lot of companies have. Plans for I mean, for a lot of companies, this sort of event is out there on the horizon. Whether it's you know a product liability thing that goes horribly wrong, or a reputation risk management issue that goes bad, or some sort of fire, or, or, or you know or something. And the truth is, having a plan and actually making that plan actionable are two different things. And I mean, we we've written about it in our magazine plenty of times, and I've heard it spoken plenty of times. And no matter how often this idea gets hammered home, people still fail to really live on it. And that is. Having a plan, just sitting there gathering dust, does no does no does no good. All right, and actually being able to do something about it is now where it comes to knocking asteroids in half. Well, it, then we, should, we need to have that, a tabletop it, exercise. Yes, yeah, hard to do a tabletop <laughs> exercise when you're going to build some fifty billion, you know, the the Freeman One asteroid killing rocket, fire it off and into the sun or something. Or, well, know. I also like to I like I, I think it'd be good too though. All right, obviously, you know, NASA's response to the Russians was was. Justifiably, there, there. We've had this forever, probably, even though they didn't say so much. <laughs> Isn't that? Cute? But hey, you know, we got an asteroid out there. It might as well use it as target practice. See if we can actually can move something out of the way. It wouldn't be the worst well, use then you of that. You break it up into little pieces that all hit the Earth. 
<laughs> yeah, but here's Change the thing: the if it's already not going that way, right? If we're going to spend money, uh, well, I say, if we're going to spend money on a space program, we might as well just go find some deep asteroid to see if we can actually do this, or are we just going to have some plan, as you say, gathering dust that when it comes time to use, it turns out, oh wow, that didn't actually work. Well, I, maybe we should have tested it. No, I've when, got an idea. When we had a closer asteroid, I've got an idea that actually going to hit us. I've got an idea that actually addresses what you're talking about, but also satisfies our need to talk about the movies, and it's this: we fire a rocket at, at Mir. Right? And and crack that in half. And we can make that happen. Certainly we can hit an asteroid. And and it allows that crazy Russian guy who lives on Mir oh, to, yeah. to possibly – Yeah, if he, to live there, if he can actually dodge the missile, then we have, you know – It really sucks for him. It's because, you know, the, the, Peter Stromari, is that the guy's name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a Swedish it's guy. like, oh, yeah, by the way, when you're who done plays, with this movie, go every, back to the space station. Who plays now every northern live. nationality except Sweden. <laughs> now you live there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is Mir still around? Did it burn I don't up? Know. Did, I don't, I don't know. think it. I don't think it's still up there. But then I don't know. I just have this image of. I mean, I remember when I was a, I was a little little kid, and I, the first thing I remember about space was Skylab falling. Yeah, I, I remember Skylab that. falling. The sky was like 1980 or 79. Or it was late 70s. I remember some pieces yeah. of a film in some dude's house in Australia. He got paid like a hundred thousand bucks yeah, for it. Was a big uh, space station that didn't stay up forever. No, I didn't. It didn't. I just I don't know. I, I don't just, know. I'm just saying. All I'm saying is, you like you just said, it's you can't really easily you know test these sorts of things. Yeah. But if we're going to be spending money in space. Rather than put up another Hubble telescope, which we, you know, seem to have a bunch of them up there, why don't we just knock an asteroid out of like deep space one day just to prove we can? Just to prove we can, <laughs> just in case we need to <laughs> to scare away the other asteroids. At the very least, as a deterrent. As a deterrent, either as a deterrent or as fun. We smashed rocket into the moon. We had to fight the asteroids in space, so we don't have to fight them at home. Exactly. It, well, I think it's very reasonable, and all of you just you when 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 the time comes, God forbid, an asteroid walks into an airport. You'll remember, and you know. <laughs> You'll remember when the time comes. Who to- you heard it here first, and and you can't come to me when my shelter is built. You're just not allowed in. My asteroid-proof shelter and my <laughs> new spaceship to Mars. Forget it. You're not coming. That's what happens. That's what you get for sassing me. You know, I I think that's actually I I, I can live with that because you know what. <laughs> I would probably would rather die in the asteroid event than have to live in Morgan's spaceship. He- hearing him, I Tell told you so for oh, the rest would, of time. Oh, I would, and and I would also, by that point, have had some sort of suspended animation to let you live forever so I could tell you I told you so a lot Oh, longer. no, for eternity. I know. Yeah. It's, it's... I'd have your brain in a jar just constantly playing a recording of me doing that. <laughs> but you realize that you're going to crawl out of your shelter 10 years later, you know, when it's safe to come out. You're going to be the only person left on Earth, and there's going to be this radioactive asteroid. And all the spiders are going to be car-sized. <laughs> That'll be a bad thing. It'll be day. like that Twilight Zone with the, with the guy with the books. Yeah, with the yeah, books and no glasses. Exactly. All right. exactly. Fine. Maybe I should just – all right. I'll just let it happen. So does Russia actually have a plan? Like, no, they, I, 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 I'm actually planning on doing anything, or they just have something on this paper. This is called this is called what's this is what's called a very fluffy news story. We're going to have a plan. We should have one. Oh, good for them. Well, I think I can get a job with them because I sound about as convincing as the uh, <laughs> head of their space program, who is now going to call me up and tell me I'm a jerk. <laughs> yes, you are. Watch for asteroids. Invest in umbrellas. just about do it for this episode of the risk cast unfortunately emily could not be with us today but she'll be with us on our next episode which will air uh, two weeks from today 
In the meantime, please be sure to visit the Risk Management Monitor blog at riskmanagementmonitor.com for daily news, opinion, and everything else you need to know about the world of managing risk. While you're at it, please check out www.rmmag.com, the website of Risk Management Magazine, for plenty of great features and columns. This month's issue covers the year in risk, business continuity planning, managing risk with a cultural perspective, and much, much more. And finally, don't forget to visit RIMS.org, the official website of the Risk and Insurance Management Society, the world's foremost association for risk managers. There you, you can get access to even more information and resources, links to professional development classes, you can see what's going on in the government affairs arena, and you can keep up to date with developments for the upcoming RIMS 2010 conference in Boston, Massachusetts. February 26th is the cutoff date for early bird registration, so make sure to register now. Until next time, I'm Bill Coffin, signing off for myself, Morgan, and Jared, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye now.